Hey y'all, AB3 here. Before we get started with today's show, I just want to give you a couple of updates on the greatest hunting app that there is right now. Of course, I'm talking about the Onyx Hunt app. I have it. I don't go into the woods without it. Onyx Hunt, man, that application saved me so many times. I want to tell you about the wind and weather. We all know that plays a big part in what we do, how we decide to hunt, where we decide to hunt. And when you have the Onyx Hunt application, you can see hour by hour forecasts for wind speed and direction. Check it out for the next eight days, any spot that you hunt on your map up to the next eight days. That means you can plan, plan ahead, kind of like how they said in the AT movie, plan ahead, amigo. You can do that when you got the Onyx Hunt app. Weather updates coming from 100,000 weather stations, refreshed every 15 minutes. Large intuitive visuals make it easier for hunters to identify weather patterns, make those in moment decisions, switch it up, kill those big deer, kill those big elk, get after those ducks and geese, making quick on the spot decisions, man, to help you be successful. Trim tracks, man. If you got the trim tracks, you can easily get to and from your stand. Sometimes you forget to turn your trim tracker off. Now with the trim tracks, you can trim those extra steps, get it down to a precise direct route in and out of your hunt area. Onyx Hunt, know where you stand. Make sure if you don't have it for your Android or your iPhone, it is available. You can also use it on your browser. Web maps are available. Whatever you choose to use, just make sure you're using Onyx Hunt. From Stone Mountain, Georgia, this is the Bryant Land Show, hosted by Proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. Hopefully, as you're listening to this podcast on a Monday, you are relaxing, you are not working because it is MLK Day, the MLK holiday. I know, though, there are those of you that have to work and that are on your grind, but hopefully the Bryantland Show is in your ear, bringing you some form of entertainment and education on this MLK Day Monday. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone is healthy and safe. Thank you for taking the time to join me for another Bryantland Show Want to send a quick shout out and thank you to the folks from Onyx Hunt. They are sponsoring the podcast. Also, folks from Traeger Grills and Irish Setter Boots. Make sure you are checking out the sponsors that sponsoring us. Also, hopefully you are listening to this podcast on our website, bryantlandcountry.com. If not, when you finish listening to the podcast, make sure you go run over and check out everything that we got going on at Bryantland Country. Got BryantlandCountry.com. Got to enunciate, say things clearly so you folks know what we got going on around here. Great show today. Of course, we have a great show every Monday to let me tell it. But I'm really excited to share the guest that I have today for y'all. I was thumbing through the uh, GON magazine, Georgia Outdoor News, and I came across a fella who had an article written about him and his family, Jamel McBride. Jamel is a hunter specializing in coon dogs and coon hunting. And if you know anything about the history of this podcast, I have admired from afar folks that trap and kill coons. 
I've admired from way, way afar folks that can cook and eat coon. But we get into all of that, Jamel and I. You're going to enjoy it. I really enjoyed having this young man on my show. So without further ado, I'm going to fall back. You guys take a listen to my conversation with Jamel McBride here on the Bryantland Show. Bryantland. The power of print and social media together has brought me to Jamel McBride from the McBride family clan in South Georgia. Bro, thank you yeah. for taking the time to join me on the Bryantland Show. What's going on in South Georgia today, man? Man, going on South Georgia, good weather down here in South Georgia. Thank God. <laughs> Force the waiting on that dart to come drop these dogs in these bushes. Y'all going tonight? Oh yeah, we going tonight. Man, so do so y'all go every night? Yeah, typically I hunt about six to probably seven nights. I try to take a night off, but typically it's about five to six nights a week. Good night. It just straight like during this time of the year, I would say it's just coons. Mm-hmm. Just coons. Okay. Coons. Okay. How long? So okay, you going tonight? What time do y'all usually start? Y'all just um like get out there obviously before it dark set in, or y'all wait late? Like what's what what's the ideal time to get on them coons? Oh, ideal time. We probably wait about an hour after dark. Let them get down and walk a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we try to go early during the week, so because you know you got to work the next morning. But after on the weekends, we'll start about eight thirty nine, and we'll hunt about whenever. Wow, that is bananas! <laughs> how many so, how many dogs you running? Um, we got different see I got about, I got three dogs. My uncle got dogs, and my cousin got dogs. We usually hunt two or two or three at a time, but that's about it. Okay, okay. Now let's back let's back up because you know I was flipping through the GOM magazine and I saw the article by Craig James. Shout out to Craig James for getting y'all in the GON, telling y'all story, you know, from that route. But mm-hmm. the headline just jumped off the page and it snatched me. It's like 100 years of South Georgia family coon hunting. And I'm flipping through the article and I see people that look like me and I'm like, oh, snap. Like 100 years, that, I mean, we know that obviously our hunting tradition as African-Americans as black people go way, 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 way back. You know, a lot of times the best hunters were the guides that were out there with the slave masters and stuff if you want to take it all the way back that far. My thing is these stories and this kind of history doesn't get told every day. And just to see something like that jumping off the page, that's why I had to I had to make sure I could try to reach out and talk to you and get you on the show. A hundred years, bro, like how did it, I guess, did it start, obviously it started out in necessity and it just kept going and going and going? As you know, it started out, my granddaddy, you know, just doing it for food, put food on the table. That's what it started out doing. And my uncle and them, as they raised up, you know, they went, you know, but they were scared of the dark. You know, as the article say, he's, everything he say is truthful in the article, Yeah, you know. That's how it started, but man, my granddaddy—he was in the army, and he came back. He um, settled down in Pierce County, and that's how it went. Man, and you know when you say out of necessity for food, I think that's something that gets lost a lot of times in just the history and in the modern day outdoor industry because nowadays so much of it is for sports so much of it is for fun like i'll admit you know i'm a late onset hunter i didn't start hunting until 38 
and I'm doing it for fun. I love to eat what I kill. I love what uh, what I killed. I love how it tastes, but it's not like, you know, oh, if I don't kill six deer, then me and my kids going to go hungry. You're talking about a whole different type of motivation when you're doing it to feed your family and put food on the table. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got a big, big family, you know. Shoot. I think it's about, about seven, about six or seven uncles and two, two aunts. So <laughs> it was a big family, so they had to do a lot to provide for them. Man, just like you say, you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. So, fast forward to now, you got the tradition. It's in your blood, obviously. How old were you when you actually started hunting and put boots to the ground? Uh, I started about typically about five or six when I first started like squirrel hunting, but I didn't go coon hunting until I was about seven. I just can't imagine seven years old running through them swamps in South Georgia, man. That you must be have all kinds of like memories and stories from that. Yeah, I got plenty of them, man. One thing I know <laughs> when I was coming up, man, I didn't want to be in the back of the line because man, it feel like something right there looking at you. I made sure of that I stayed in the middle. That's what I did. I made sure I stay in the middle because you didn't want to be at that back. Now, when you started at seven, were you the were you the youngest? Were you a middle child? Are you an only child? Or? I'm the, I'm the youngest. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I'm the youngest. So, um, my brother, he um uh, he was more of a bass fisherman. But he ain't really he, he didn't like the dark. So I had <laughs> other older cousin. Now he liked coon hunting, and um uh, he went with us. But like I say. He always used to try to put me in the back, but, hey, I had to fight to get in that middle. I was about to say, you had to fight for everything that you got. (laughs) Whatever, that that old color purple line, I had to fight for everything I got. (laughs) All my life I had to fight. (laughs) Man, I understand that. that. But, so you start at seven, coon hunting, or we'll start earlier than that, shooting squirrels and stuff like that. But were you into anything else? Like you said, you had, you know, a cousin that was into bass fishing, you know, other cousins that was into this and that. Like, were you into any other kinds of hunting? Like, was it, or was it just like strictly running the dogs and cool hunting? Oh, I was in uh, squirrel hunting. I did a little bit of hunting. But it it, it, ain't, it didn't excite me like that. Come on, just you know, listen to them dogs running, and you you know what I'm saying. And you get down there, you see that coon up that tree, then you possibly gonna see a coon fight. You know that ain't a good thing. But man, that that excited me back then. Well, see, that brings me to another point because obviously I've never been a part of running coons with dogs. Now I've done it with hogs. And mm-hmm. I've seen the damage that hogs can do, you know, to a dog and how it happens so quickly. I mean, like, I remember on the, the hunt I went on, you know, the dogs, they were getting after this one hog, got her uh, or got them, uh, you know, like bait or whatever. And I'm looking at this whole thing happening, trying to wait for a opportunity for a good shot or whatever and mm-hmm. not realizing that like the whole time while I'm kind of, you know, waiting for a good shot, these dogs are getting cut up by this boy, you know, like, so when everything was over with and we make the kill, get the hog down, get the dogs back to the camp, they got little cuts, you know, above their eye, little cuts here and there. I mean, like with, with the hogs, they got like the vest and stuff on, but my point is, like, with coons and them claws and stuff like that, like, they actually, like, get down and be fighting and scrapping and stuff with the dogs? Oh, yeah. They do it real good, too. A lot of people, I tell them about that, about a coon fight. They say, man, that ain't fair. You know, they just say it ain't fair for have two dogs on one coon. But 
You got to think. That coon got four legs and teeth. And man, my uncle done told me before, you know, they done had coon drown a dog. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah, you get them in that water, that coon will get on top of that dog head and just drown. Wow. See, I ain't even... I ain't even think about that. I'm just thinking about like them little paws just flying and cutting them up all in the face and all kind of stuff. And dogs trying to, you know, grab hold to them or y'all trying to dispose them before they do too much damage to the dogs. But golly, that's bananas. (laughs) Man. So I want to jump back real quick. You were saying. The, you know, whole excitement of coon hunting and running dogs with coons. I guess it would be kind of like, I won't say difficult, but just not as exciting when you're talking about running through the woods and through the swamps and stuff, running coons and then go sit in a deer stand or sit in a turkey blind and kind of just waiting for you know, a deer to pass by or waiting for an old gobbler to come through chasing after a hen or hitting one of the decoys or whatever, I guess, don't quite carry the same excitement. No, not for me. Because <laughs> one thing, you, see, you ain't got to be quiet with this that coon, right, man. You can sit out there, we sit out there, we laugh and cut up, have a good time. Everybody talking trash about, might be talking trash about a dog and you know what I'm saying? Just having fun, man. Making memories. You know, you can't really do that. You can make memories and and all hunting, but it's different when you can talk to somebody instead of being quiet. No, I can see that because it's funny. I used to hunt with a guy up in Illinois, Brian Griffin. I used to hunt with him, and we would talk about it. We goose hunt, and we would, you know, get into the same conversation. He would just be like, you know. Deer hunting ain't for me just because, you know, sitting in a pit, waiting for the geese to come in. You're sitting there on a cold, ice cold morning. You got coffee. You might have some breakfast going. You know, you like you say, you're just sitting there. You're cutting up. Next thing you know, some geese come into your spread. Pop, 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 pop. Drop a couple of geese. And then you just get back to shooting shit and talking. Where it's like with, with deer or turkey, like you said, with, with sports um, or with hunts that you got to be, you know, real silent. It's just a lot of nonverbal communication, not a lot of opportunity just to be cutting up, especially if you're trying to kill something. Oh, yeah. What about what about fishing for you? Like, are you do you get out there on the water with the bass fishing on uh, with your cuz? Oh yeah, oh yeah. See, yeah, I do that bass fishing. I love that. And I usually do that in the spring. And my dad, man, he he was an avid bass fisherman, man. But he kind of done got to that saltwater fishing, catching white and all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about being down where y'all are at. We was talking before. Y'all got it all down there. If you're not far from the from the um oh, you just said to what's what swamp? Okie for Noki. yeah. So you down way down yonder, down there. Y'all got it all, man. So it ain't no telling what you can get into. Yeah, you can get in a pretty good good mountain thing. You fool with them gators? No, 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 no. He said that quick. <laughs> no, sir. I'll leave you somewhere. Yeah. Man, that's something I, I'm I'm curious about trying, but I I don't know. Like it, my rule of thumb is funny because even with bow hunting and you know bow hunting deer, hogs, you know, bow hunting turkeys or whatever, people like. <laughs> Oh, you should get after um, bears or you should go like for, you know, out west to do a mountain lion. My rule of thumb so far has been I ain't hunting nothing that's been trained. Uh, it's ingrained in their DNA to hunt and kill their whole life. Like, that's, right. that's a little bit different kind of a fight right there. That's that. They got a little bit more advantage, I would think. Not saying that deer and hog and turkeys don't because they got that survival gene. But it's one thing to 
you know, to have that, uh, what was it, fight or flight, and then mostly flight to survive. But then when you're talking about bears and big cats and stuff like that, it's more fight than flight in them. That's right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> No, sir. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know about that. Nah, I'm gonna let that one ride. So let's get back to the coons, cause here's here's what I want to know. Again, going through reading the article, something that jumped out to me. If you starting out from scratch, say you starting out ground zero, whatever age, whatever. And you wanna you decide you want a coon hunt and you get a coon dog. The thing that jumped out to me is says start out with a puppy as mm-hmm. opposed to an older dog. Why? Well that puppy so that puppy will get to know you. You know? But that's that's my uncle way of thinking. See what I'm saying? So I, I believe I can I understand so so that puppy will know you and you'll know that puppy. And first of all, when you pick that puppy, you know you like that puppy. Mm-hmm. So you gonna wanna put time into that. And opposed to you getting an older dog that that already set in his ways, you don't know what his um faults may be, his characteristics, you don't know if he like you. He might, not even, he might not even want to do what you want him to do, huh? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, you don't never know. The people just, you know, when you get in the cool home world, it's a lot of people that, that that's trying to get your money, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'd rather train my own than go buy somebody else's dog that they don't train. I don't know how they train, you know what I'm saying? Wow. And that's just a skill that you learn from watching your uncles and stuff like coming up, just how to how to train a train a coon dog. Yes, that's how it is. Man, that's crazy. Cause you're right. There are places and and people and no slight against them. I'm pretty sure they do a good job. And you can buy a dog and take it to them and say, Hey, you know, I want to train this dog to do whatever, whether it's, you know, waterfowl, running hogs, running coons, rabbits, you know, whatever. But it's got to be something said where you have that skill set yourself and you can work and take time and put in the time with that animal. That's right. That's most definitely. You got to have the time for that. What kind of – so what do you do – like I've seen – um waterfowl dogs get trained, you know, like with, you know, rubber duckies or different kind of like, um, you know, different kind of like tools or gadgets or, you know, chew toys or whatever the case is to like train them. Like, what do you go through when you train in a coon dog? Um, first of all, when I first get one, it'll probably be about six to eight weeks old. And, um, what I work on is getting used to me, understanding me, getting them to come. I work on basic commands. And probably about two and a half months, I start um, putting a scent, working with a scent at night. Mm. You know, I don't, I, I stay away from the daytime stuff. And that, that's one thing people go wrong working with dogs in the daytime. Nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But that, that ain't my way I was trained. To work with a, you know, to train a coon dog. I can see that though, because if you running them at night, then you got to get them adjusted to seeing at night, running in the dark, running through briars, like all that kind of stuff. I, I, I could kind of, I could see that. But when you, here's one thing I want to know though. But when you say, you know, get them adjusted like to the scent and stuff, are you like just putting it like on a rag and like? Just letting them smell it, or like what? What are you doing with that? Uh, what What I do is I put them on a. I put them on a. I usually I have a like right now I'm training a puppy right now, and um, man, the more coons I get, the better it is for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I keep a fresh, keep keep a fresh coon, fresh coon eye. So that's the that's important right there fresh coon hide oh skin so you skin them keep the hide and then just kind of let them just run like roll around just get all into it just immersed into it so they 
the smell, touch, all that. Yeah, I just let him smell it. And if he get past, I see that he know the clue is. When I just, you know, keep working with him, then I probably just, when I get a fresh ride, I drag it. But I never walk in them tracks. You see what I'm saying? I drag it somewhere. I put it on a rope or a fishing pole, mm-hmm. and I throw it, and I drag it. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be around the pond, so I drag I might even go in the water with it just to see what the puppy going to do. Mhm, mhm. And you so, said don't walk in the tracks because you don't want to mix the the scents or whatever, right? I don't want that. Me personally, I don't want them tracking me. Gotcha. You don't need to track me. You need to be worried about that coon. <laughs> right, right. Nah, nah. Man, them dogs smart, man. And what kind of what kind of um. A dogs are you using for cool hunting? Cause like I, I've read some things before where you know, I know it comes down to like preference, but I've even read with some people like, well, this hound is better than this, or this dog is better than you know whatever. Like whatever their preference is, what what are you what are you using, and and is that something that everybody? In the in the families using or everybody got just different type of dogs based on their preference. Everybody pretty much got different type of dogs, but I'm using um trim walkers. And my uncle, my uncle got uh, a blue tick, two walkers. Mm-hmm. My other uncle got a black and tan and walkers. And my cousin, he he wanted to be so different. He <laughs> went and got American them leopard hounds. Why? Wait a minute. Why you said it with such disdain, though? <laughs> he was like, your uncle got, you know, this one. My other uncle, he got a blue hound. I got this. But my cousin, he just had to be different. <laughs> you know. Like he just went outside, went completely out the box, huh? Yeah, he just went out the box. He wasn't trying to stick to the script or nothing. He said, man, I'm I'm going to try these, and I'm going to make my name off these. I said, okay. How's it working for them? It's, it's coming good, you know. But they they just, they they different hounds. They yeah. look good. Now, they some pretty dogs. But uh, they, that's, that's his cup of tea. Now, that was another thing, which I could kind of understand, you know, in such a big family like y'all got, you want to try to, you know, stand out. You know, there's something to be said for going with what works and, like you say, following the script. But then, you know, you're always going to have that one that's just like, look, I want to make a name for myself. You know, I'm going to carry the family name, but I also want to have, you know, my own identity and my own name. There's, There's something to be said for that. But... One of the things that I did see um, that also jumped out at me, I think it was it was either you or your uncle that was saying, like, get a dog that you like to look at. Mm-hmm. What, like, what is? How does that play into the equation? Um, that plays in. That go back to what I was saying. If you like the dog, you know what I'm saying. You gonna you look at that dog every day. You got to feed that dog, water that dog, pretty much every day. And you gonna hunt that dog every day. You know what I'm saying? If you don't like looking at them, yeah, you wasting your time. I got you. Oh, so you want you want basically if you like looking at them, you build you develop a bond, develop a relationship with that puppy. Then it's gonna go a long way. Then when you got a dog, it's just like, oh, I got to go out here and train this dog. Oh, I got to get this dog up to speed. Like more. It's the, more of like an apple of your eye kind of thing as opposed yep. to disdain. Yep, you're right. You're right about that. Gotcha, gotcha. So now you training, doing, going through the exercises, you training the dog up. How long does it take before you feel comfortable in turning the dog loose? Uh, it, it ain't about me feeling comfortable about that dog. Okay. The dog. You know, I try to let the dogs get their legs up on them. I don't usually take them to the woods at least about six months. At about six months, that's when I see do they want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't going to force the issue. You know, I'm going to let genetics come out. So that's one thing we know. We work on that. We know the line of dogs that we're hunting, and we know when they usually start start clicking. 
Now, is that something where you can tell, like, you go out, you get to the woods, you drop the tailgate, one dog that may be ready, they like, all right, I know what time it is, let's go. They hopping off the tailgate, and they just all in the woods, like, where, where you know, where you at, where you at, let me out on whereas another dog that might not be ready, is he a little bit timid? Like, do you kind of have to lift him out of the box and put him on the ground and see if he going to run or see if he just going to be, like, timid and kind of not leave your side? Well, it's more of uh, when you turn them dogs loose, he, he'll go out there a little piece and play around instead of keeping going with them dogs. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Because I saw – and I thought that was interesting as well. And I've seen it with, you know, hog dogs, and I've heard guys talk about it with rabbit dogs. It's like you take, you know, obviously you got your, your stud, your older dog that's out there running, know what to do, following commands, everything. And then you got a younger dog that's kind of like right up under them. It's almost like sitting under the learning tree. Like mm-hmm. they're following behind that dog and basically just learning from the dog that's ahead of them. Oh, yeah. Mhm. That's right. You uh, what you say? No, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, well we do is um, uh, just like you were saying, you know, I got a uh, she just turned ten months old this month, this week, and uh, she she been going since she was about seven and a half months old. That's amazing to me. That is so. Like, even when you think about it, like, obviously, like, in the human time frame, I know dog years is completely different, but when you think about it in the human time frame, you're talking about six to eight weeks and then seven months, you know, six to eight weeks, young puppy, you know, getting on their feet, you know, they're learning this skill, and then in seven months, you turning them loose and they running behind uh, another dog and just kind of learning, and then the next thing you know, they out there fighting and scrapping and got dogs, uh, got <laughs> coons up the tree, man. That that's got to be a rewarding process. Oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely. You know, that's just showing you, you know, that goes to the dog genetics, and plus you putting the time in, you know, to see your work starting to pay off, man. It'll put a smile on your face. And then I know you say you hunting every night. So you training every day too? Is it no days off kind of mentality? Yeah, it it's kinda like that, but sometimes, you know, I don't try to push the puppy too too hard, you know what I'm saying? Because you can burn them out. So I just really go by, I let them play. You know, I take them out in the daytime and I let them run around, you know, to get his exercise pretty mm-hmm. much every day. Wow. Now, speaking of a no days off mentality, you at one point was wrecking shop at Middle Tennessee State on the D-line, messing up run game schemes, messing up passing schemes and stuff, just out there wrecking havoc. In the let me make sure I don't mess this up now. In the Sun Miller, when you were at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State, they were still in the Sun Belt? No, they had just uh, switched over to the Conference USA. Ah, I knew, I, I knew it was either the Belt or Conference <laughs> USA. Dang it. Okay. So, at Con, you, you know, defense, playing ball. Conference USA school, Middle Tennessee State up in Murfreesboro. I've been up there a few times. Um, a lot of good hunting in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. How did the coon hunting work? Was you able to to get on some coons? Now, let, let's just put this in perspective because you're a D1 athlete. You mm-hmm. got class. You got weights, film study, game prep, all that good stuff. Was you still able to get out and do any kind of hunting or do any kind uh do any kind of coon hunting? Not when I was up there, but when I came home, I still, you know, when I that was the first thing I probably did when I come home. Drop <laughs> <laughs> drop the bags and go get the headlamp, huh? <laughs> that, that's right. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. Hey, <laughs> because I can't imagine. I see regular students 
in college and high school, mostly duck hunters. I was always fascinated by the one or two guys that you see in the, you know, the rare occasions in college when I had, because I was a, a 7 a.m., 8 a.m., like early class guy because I wanted to get my stuff over with so I had the rest of the day. But rarely I would have the 11 or 12 and you'd see the duck hunters coming in, you know, still either with partial of their gear on or whatever or partial face paint. You could tell they was out duck hunting. I just always marveled at the commitment to get up that early, go do that, and then go to class. So I can't imagine, you know, what it would be like for, you know, a D1 student athlete to try mm-hmm. to keep that to, to keep that going. But it's amazing. Yeah. It, it, it's remarkable. But I could, I could definitely see, like you say, you get that break, and once you're done, it's like, all right, I'm coming home, and we in the swamp. Yes, yeah, so just, just, you know, it just helped me relax, man. Just handling dogs, seeing them dogs work. That's all that mattered to me. And getting away from everything. Yep, getting away. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like I said, working in working in media and working around a lot of college athletes, I see the stuff that y'all go through, and you know, they people be like, "Well, they're getting a scholarship," and just like, mm, yes. <laughs> You knew what I knew. <laughs> but that's that's another topic for another day. I ain't gonna go down that road, but you know what I'm yes, saying. Uh, oh, I most definitely. <laughs> it's like but they, definitely. they get a scholarship. Why can't it Okay, settle down, Junior. If <laughs> if you don't know the hand. Right. If you knew what I knew. All right. So here's the thing, right? I've been doing this podcast. This is my third year starting Jan- starting this January. This is my third year doing the podcast. And I've had a couple of people on um that coon hunt and or cook or excuse me, coon hunt and cook coon or they will happily take coons and cook them as a woman told me one day when I was in the gas station and I still had my camo on and I was coming back from deer hunting, she was like, well, do you trap any coons? And I was like, no. She's like, well, if you do, let me know because I'll cook them. And I'm just like, all right, if, yeah, I, I got you, no problem. Dude, like I said, I'm a newbie. I still consider myself a newbie. I mean, five years in, Compared to you know people with lifetimes experience, you know I'm I'm getting a little bit better with the deer hunting because that's my thing. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know get more experience, but bro, I'm gonna tell you off top, coons. As far as like cooking and trying them and eating them, I still don't know about that. And that's been a thing on this podcast. The few people that I've talked to, every one of them have told me they can make a coon taste like a uh, barbecue. Uh, hog. Hey. True, false, or they don't know what the hell they talking about. Oh, it's true. Well, <laughs> definitely true. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had a right. feeling you were gonna say that. <laughs> hey, I, I, I give it to my daddy now. Hey, he he'll he'll make one. He'll make one stone up right now. Like it's it was so good. My uncle took a piece to work. Uh huh. This man never, never ate a coon before. He took a piece. He had but one little piece, just enough to give to him. Mm-hmm. He said, a man told him, I never thought a coon would taste like that. <laughs> he never man. thought a coon would taste that good. I've, the stories that I've heard from different people, they was like, like I've heard the one where they took like the, the shredded pork and mm-hmm. had like a pan of shredded pork. And a pan of shredded coon. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, just let the person taste them. And the person thought that they was, like, both of them were shredded pork. And it was just like, no, that's coon. And I'm just like, I know, I guess it's one of those things, obviously, you don't knock it till you try. And I know everybody say, because it's just like with deer meat. Like, I've had people say, you know, like, well, I don't like deer meat or it's too gamey and da-da-da-da-da. And... 
My thing is, is whoever cooked it either didn't cook it right or they just didn't. I won't say they didn't know what they was doing, but they just didn't cook it like a certain way. Because to me, when I cook deer and the deer that I've had, I yeah, it tastes like deer, but shit, it's good to me. Like it, it's not like you know hard and gamey and tough or whatever. Like if you don't cook it right, or you live it on the grill too long, then yeah, you end up with jerky. But you know, it's all all in how you cook it. I guess my point is, what like what what's the go to recipe? Like, is it you know roasted with sweet potatoes? Is it shredded like barbecue? What what are the McBrides doing when they do their coons? Um, we quartered it up, quartered up like you do some chicken or a deer, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll just get the game out of it. We'll musk it. That's the main thing. People go wrong. They they don't musk their coons. Explain that. I know exactly what you're talking about because I I've heard people say that about hogs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but explain to the listeners what what that is. Musk. It's a musk gun. It's like a ball. About the, it kind of feel like like a a small kidney ball that'll be in his armpits, in his hind hind quarters, in the inside, and on his neck. If you pay attention and you just pull them out, man, and you, what, and you just shoot, man, that coon good eating. I'll try to tell you. <laughs> and I'm a, a picky eater now. <laughs> so. Dude, the the musk glands, that, that, I could definitely see, obviously, that making a difference. And I didn't even know about that until I was watching a fella. Um, skin and quarter a hog, and mm-hmm. he was just, and he took him took him out. And he was like, "I bet you ain't never seen nothing like that." I was just like, "No, I haven't seen anything like that." <laughs> he was like, "If you take these out, it's gonna taste much better." I was like, mm, "All right, learn something new every day." So as soon as I saw that, I knew exactly what what you were talking about. But you know, like you said, going back to being a picky eater and. Do you prefer yourself like after it's quartered and stuff like that? Do you prefer barbecue, like shredded or like whole, like with the hind and leg quarters? I mean, I guess it's a crazy question, but what's your favorite part of the coon? Oh, I, I love them ribs. Wow. I love the ribs. Coon ribs. That's mm-hmm. once again. You learn something every day. I, I learn something every day, man. I learn every, almost every time I talk to somebody, I learn something new, man. It's one of the reasons why I like doing this podcast. It's just oh, yeah. <laughs> coon ribs. Okay. <laughs> Baby back? I mean, because obviously a coon ain't that Because you're talking about a good coon. Mm-hmm. S- what, 60 pounds? <laughs> Pretty much, if not 10. You know, on average, okay. Around this way, now you you get you one about 15, 16 pounds. Now that's grown from this area, right okay. South okay, and then gutted, skin, quartered, probably what mm-hmm. about eight after that? Yeah, if that, if yeah. that. Okay. Wow. And then, are are you a barbecue or a hot sauce guy? I'm a barbecue, but with the love, we like to put little like. What is it, paprika? Yeah, paprika. the paprika. Yeah, yep. We'll we'll spice it up. It's gonna be kind of barbecue. My daddy do it all kind of ways, man. He'll stew it. He'll fry it. Wow, that's good, man. And then if y'all hunting every night, boy, y'all got y'all got to have a yeah. freezer full of coon. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a good little good little thing good. And you got people that. That want you to come kill their coons off their corn, you know. Oh After yeah. This season, so, so that was that was my thing. I said that I was going to start trapping coons, and I still hadn't um, hadn't gotten away from that. I just haven't had the time to do it yet. But I, mm-hmm. I said after. You know, deer season. I was going to uh, set a couple of coon traps and. Try to trap some coons that way to keep them off of my off of my corn piles. And then the other thing too, I think a lot of people don't realize, man, coons are hell on turkeys on this. 
that's what I heard. So, you know, if you're trying to have a a decent population to hunt turkeys and stuff, you got to, you know, coons are almost as, uh, just as bad as coyotes when it comes, huh. when it comes to them turkey nests. Because, yeah, they'll get in there and ravage and, you know, with the eggs and stuff. And then, of course, if the hens, you know, they – trying to defend their nest and won't get up, you know, they'll coon to kill a hen in a heartbeat. Yeah. So you kind of have to get them under control. But if you guys, if y'all out there putting a hurting on them down there in South Georgia with them dogs, then that's a whole different story. Yeah. There's the one thing about it, though. You ain't going to get one there at night. <laughs> huh. The one thing about it. Now that's interesting because I would thought – when you add the dogs to the equation that, you know, with the scent and stuff, it'll make it a lot harder for them to get away and you just get on them. No, one thing about it, because when you run them dogs, see, that coon, he going to try to save his butt. So he going to go through deep water. He going to take him through the thick and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because he already know the layout of the land. Mm, okay. He know how to get away. So sometimes you gonna tree, you tree a big old tree or uh, pine tree. Mm-hmm. Them jokers ain't gonna look. They'll look straight up at the moon or something, or they'll tree in a hole in the tree, what we call a holler. And man, they got their ways to get away. You just got to stop them before they do that. Wow. See, I didn't even think about that because I always just I always think you know you dog and they get on the trail, they get after them, you know, get them up the tree. You run them up the tree, you come in, finish them off with 22, whatever, and, you know, pop them down from the sky, and they fall, you know, fall from the ground. If the shot don't kill them, then damn, the the drop will. Yeah. But, dang, you talking about all in the water and like oh, that. Yeah. So now have you seen where they kind of lead them, like they're trying to get away, they go in the water, and then they like, and like you were saying, like they ambush them and then try to drown the dog? Mm, well, I don't seen them like especially on that what it was like a marsh. Mm-hmm. Well, I done heard the story. My uncle was on, and um, they dog ran the coon down on the marsh because he he hunted Savannah boy Richmond Hill, and um, they got him out there in that, on that marsh and that tide don't come up and they was fighting the coon. Mm-hmm. They caught on the ground, and that's how the coon when they got down there they knew something wasn't right. They got down there, they seen the coon on top of the dog head. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. And if you a dog, ain't no way to get that bug off of you. No. Especially if they got their claw, they got them them little paws fucking dug yeah. in. Oh, my uncle man. ain't want to shoot him. He ain't want to shoot because, you know, because he shot a dog. Right. Golly. Man, so okay, that's another one. See, I'm I'm thinking you get new, you got the dogs after them, and then you know you get them up that tree, pop them, and it's a good night for all involved. But see, I, I learned something <laughs> new. I get again. That's why they call it hunting because every yeah. time you go out, ain't no guarantee that you gonna you gonna come back. You know, full. You might come there a lot of times. You are gonna come back empty handed. Yeah, you're right. Oh, now before I get you out of here, one of the other things that we was talking about that I found very interesting, and I really hope and pray that you can, you know, continue to work through it and bring it to fruition. You was talking about starting a brand. Mm-hmm. Would a brand be encompassing everything outdoors, or like basically like? focusing on coon hunting um the brand i got in the woodworks right now it's gonna do everything with dog hunting you know because man i ain't knocking no steel hunters but you know it's kind of hard for us dog hunters right now as far as land wise yeah you know, a lot a lot of land don't open up to like what the 10th of yesterday so now a lot more land finna open up for us but far as like I'm gonna build a brand just people that run dogs go with that. You got a name for it? Yeah, I'm gonna call it Doggy Style Outdoors. Nice. BSA. Nice. nice. Man, I 
I like that, and I wish you all the luck in the world with it, man. You got the history and the heritage behind it. You definitely got the knowledge, man. So I appreciate you taking the time for me today to come on this show. Good luck with the brand and yeah, sure. and the family and everything, man. You got any kind of social media or anything where um folks can catch up with you and follow you and see what you got going on? Oh yeah, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Jamel McBride. You can follow the the hunting page at McBride's Kennel. That's it with that one. Nice, nice. Well, I'm gonna make sure I get on there and hit like and subscribe and and all that stuff. Jamel, man, it's been a pleasure. Again, thank you for taking your time, bro, and come back anytime. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hope we get you down here and go coon hunting with us. Man, don't, hey. <laughs> don't say that because I... I bring the moss bird. I I'm I'm all for carrying my own weight. I might not know what the hell I'm doing, but I I'm all for carrying my own weight now. Nah, so I I Go got a, I got some waiters and I got my moss bird. So let's do it. That's what I'm talking about. Man, <laughs> we we're offline about that. We got to figure something out because I've oh, never yeah. I've never done it before and. No, I I tried just to buy anything once, so mm-hmm. you get right. get me in on get me in on in them South Georgia swamps. We'll see. All right, <laughs> all right. I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. All right, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Learned a lot talking to Jamel. Learned a lot about his family. Hundred years of coon hunting, man, is just remarkable. Just to have that much tradition passed down from generation to generation, man. Just raising dogs, hunting coons, living off the land, just having a good time down there in South Georgia. Hopefully, not before long, I will be able to get down there and hang out with Jamel and his family. Maybe even try some coon this year. 2021, new year trying new things, expanding, growing, all that good stuff. You never know, your boy AB3 might get not only his coon hunting on, but maybe get some coon in my belly as well. I don't know. We'll see. You never know. Nevertheless, man, this has been a great Monday, an MLK Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast as much as I enjoyed doing it. You know where to find all of our past podcasts, bryantlandcountry.com, our website, Make sure you check that out and continue to tell five people to tell five more people about our podcast, man. Like I said, we still got to expand. We still got to grow, growing the brand. And make sure you guys come back next week for another episode of The Bryant Land Show. <laughs>